left their pocket Bible up on the altar. <laughs> Sorry, I just, it's really cool. I just noticed it. Um, so I want to share a story with you. Once upon a time, there were two roosters. Uh, one was named Bob and one was named Larry. If there are any Bobs or Larrys here, don't worry. They're not related. Uh, it's not you. Um, they're roosters. You're not a rooster. So these two roosters living in a barnyard, very, very content. Um, but one day they came across each other's path. And as two roosters are ought to do, they want to show a test of dominance. To be, I'm the rooster. I'm the one in charge of this barnyard. So they decided to get into a fight. So Bob and Larry are fighting. And it gets fierce. Bob's got the upper hand, and Larry, you know, has a left hook with a claw or whatever. And before you know it, Larry has the victory. He's beaten up Bob. Bob is ashamed, and Bob retreats back to the chicken coop to hide in a corner in all humility. So clearly, Larry's won. But Larry, in his pride, thinks, well, i got to let everybody know in the barnyard that I beat Bob, that I'm the top dog or top rooster. So he climbs up, flaps up to the top of the barnyard as high as he can get, um, and he starts calling and screaming and screeching, whatever, whatever roosters do. And he's really loud and uh, obnoxious. He says, I'm the one. I'm the head rooster. I'm in charge of the barnyard. And as he's doing this, a giant eagle swoops down and gets poor little Larry. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully Larry's fine. But the point I'm making here, and the reason I share this story, is it's an example of hubris, of pride. That, of course, Larry won fair and square, and he could have accepted that position graciously, but he decided to be prideful, to boast of his glory, to boast of himself in a very self-enhancing way, saying, I'm the one, this is my greatness, you should all know about this. And it's this pride that we see today in the gospel this pride that we see as a constant temptation and detriment to our own faith, our own desire to follow Christ. Pride is, in one way, um, and in the Catholic sense, defined as the inordinate love of self, fooling one to see the source of their greatness in oneself. In other words, it's our severe selfishness, us seeing ourselves solely as the only and most essential and important thing in the world. Lacking empathy, lacking the ability to go outside of ourselves and framing everything in terms of who we are in our own greatness. Another word for this could be vanity or narcissism. Pride is the root of selfishness, of jealousy. We hear about this in the first reading. James warns us about this, how it is this selfishness and this jealousy that leads to conflict. You could actually probably root every conflict in the world, many sufferings, many struggles, many injustices in our world back to this idea of pride, this selfishness, this self-centeredness. Putting others down as well for the sake of our own pride, of securing ourselves in society. That's where we get bullying from. That's often where we get discrimination or, or the blame game, that we don't look in honesty. We don't look through the lens of honesty of how the situation is, who we really are, but we look to blame and put down others for the sake of securing, no, it wasn't me. It's like, oh no, it wasn't me. I didn't start the fight. No, it wasn't me. I didn't say that thing. Or no, well, I was part of it, but the real person to blame is this guy. And what it ends up becoming is an uncharity, 
a self-preservation. And this is, by and large, the virtue of the world. A worldly virtue of pride. Which makes sense in nature, that self-preservation. I'm excited because normally I don't get to have two Sundays of the same Mass in a row. And fortunately, these two scriptures connect because it relates to what we heard last week when our Lord called us to take up the cross, to give of ourselves and to give of our lives, that we die to self. And part of this death, this death of self, is a death of our pride. And it hurts. There's a reason we hear that. It wounds my pride. It's painful. It's painful to die to the world, and it's painful to die to our pride. But there is a solution to this. And that is the virtue of humility. And oftentimes we think of humility in terms of, oh, it's just me putting myself down or making myself lowly, which isn't actually the definition of virtue or of of humility, especially as it is a virtue. The virtue of humility, humility itself, is knowing oneself as he or she truly is. It's immersing ourselves in reality and knowing who we are. True humility, especially for us Christians, as us Catholics, as those who claim to be followers of Christ, means knowing who we are as Christians, who we are as those who follow the Master, who follow Christ. It is a personal death to pride, because pride often inflates the reality. It puts us as the center of the world again, and inflates our own greatness. It says that we are the source of our own greatness, that everything comes from me. And It's difficult because, again, this is very much of the world. We see that pride to puff ourselves up and to say that I did this on my own. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. That this idea is uh, um, actually very false. That we live in communion. We live in a community where we support and and aid each other just as much as we can hurt and destroy each other. It's interesting because you see this a lot in celebrity, especially in uh, musicians and and pop stars, that it becomes this idea of, well, I did it, I made it myself, I made my own way. It's like, okay, well, what's a musician without an audience, without fans? What's celebrity and fame without someone to observe it? That in and of itself, even our lives, everything we received is a gift. That everything that we have, our own existence included, is a gift from God. That we didn't generate ourselves into being, We didn't create the circumstances that have benefited us and blessed us. Granted, we haven't benefited or we haven't generated the the circumstances that have hurt us as well. And that's part of the problem here with this pride, with this conflict of selfishness. It's interesting and it's a good reflection as well in humility to realize that the only thing I can give to God is my sins. It's like someone coming to your birthday party and saying, here's Disneyland as a kid. And you're like, oh, thanks. Um, Here's a dog turd. It's like, okay, clearly not an equal exchange. But even that the Lord's happy to receive because he's like, yeah, you gross, give me that. You don't want that. Let me get you cleaned up. That even uh, in our sin, that's the only thing we can give our Lord. That everything else is gift. And once we frame our mindsets to realize that, to realize that everything that we have is a gift from God, then we realize I can't really boast of my own greatness, but I can boast of the Lord's greatness. I boast of my weakness and my littleness in the grand context of being loved by God. And that is what that virtue of humility truly is, what it means to follow Christ, to boast of the glory of God, and to boast of this path, this little path, this difficult path, but this most beautiful, incredible path of following Christ. We see this in the gospel, of course. We have this continuation of 
the journey of the apostles, that they're still journeying through, they're following with the Lord um, on his mission, they're, they're garnering uh, um, disciples and notoriety. And as we see them travel, the Lord reveals again, he comes back to, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be rejected. And on the third day, I'm going to rise. And you see that the apostles are a little timid to ask about this, to question it, because, because of course it's the master. But then you see, and it's kind of funny, it's almost like, you know, kids in the back of the classroom, they're kind of bickering about who's going to be the greatest. Like, well, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the great guy. Peter messed up last week, but, you know, it's me. I'm going to be the one. It's like clearly they're not getting it, these numbskulls. And it's easy to kind of point at the apostles and say, oh, man, these guys, what a bunch of doofuses. But actually, this is us. This is the reality of what it means to follow Christ. We all come through this growth, this falling back and forth of desiring to follow Christ, but also falling into the traps of pride, the trappings and temptations of making my faith about me rather than about who I am in relation to God, in relation to Christ as being saved by God. So Jesus asked them, and they're, of course, a little ashamed, they're a little sheepish. And you can imagine Jesus kind of rolling his eyes like, okay, guys, you just don't get it. Well, let's try it again. <laughs> and the patience of Jesus, too, is very encouraging for us as well. Because, again, this is similar to our growth in faith and our path in faith. So first, what does he say? He says, the first shall be last. The last shall be first. He's calling us to that reality of servitude. That, again, this is contrary to the way of the world. Contrary to the, the virtue of pride. Saying, like, no, actually, you are to be the one to serve. If you were to follow me, you must serve as well. And not just the, the ones that benefit you, but serve in complete charity and love for the other. That I, having come for you, becoming one of you, dying for you, and being raised for you, if you were to follow me, then you must follow in the footsteps of the master and have this death to pride and this servant's heart. In original Greek, the word servant is diakonos, which is where we get the word deacon from which means servant, that we are called to be deacons, servants of our Lord. We are called to be servants of the world and servants to the lowliest as well as the greatest, to, to see with unclouded eyes in this full charity and love for the other. This is what our Lord shows us next. He actually takes a child, um, one of the kids probably around in the house running around, and he says, this, uh, if, you, if you receive one of these children, um, then you are also receiving me. He's actually making a very specific cultural point as well, that in the ancient world, children weren't treated with uh, any respect or dignity. It's unfortunate um, that we're still dealing with this in our day and age with the realities of abortion, that this child was not treated with respect or with dignity or as like a normal adult human life. And this was a symbol of the lowly, the lowest of the low, a child, in this cultural context, the Lord's saying, you must receive the lowly, the lowest of the low. And we think, okay, that's a nice idea. But we come across this in many ways. Those who are lowly in spirit, those who have hurt us, those who have harmed us, those who we don't agree with, those who, when we're in their presence, they may make us uncomfortable. Those who kind of uh, sting at our pride, especially, those who make us question our own situations, especially those who are in need, those who are reaching out. I need help. I desire help, and you're here to be that one to minister to me, to serve to me, to be that Christ for me, to be like Christ for me. 
So I think it's worth reflecting on today how we can truly die to our pride, to ask the Lord for that gift of humility, not to be humiliated, but that gift of humility to know who I am as a beloved son or daughter of God. And in that, what the responsibility comes with it of serving as a Christian, serving as a follower of Christ and reflecting that love the Lord has shown for me, his mercy shown to me, and to really utilize the gifts that I have been given, not for my own glory, but for the glory of God. Amen.